0: Welcome to this podcast that is all about funding—from grants to crowdfunding. I will be answering questions and providing tips and advice on how to best move forward in securing grants and funding for your nonprofit, research, or business. My name is Holly Rustic, and I'm creator of WeGo Consulting and Amazon best-selling author for Wish Granted: Tips, Tools, and Templates to Write a Winning Grant. Want to get more grant writing and funding resources, books, and online courses? visit www.grantwritingandfunding.com or wegogrants.com. Check out our free templates. Or if you have any grant writing or funding questions, you can always send me an email at hollywego at gmail.com. That's H O L L Y W E G O at gmail.com. I'm excited to hear from you and to try my best to answer any questions so that you can increase your funding and impact your community and the world at large. So let's get started because money we be Welcome to grant writing and funding. I'm Holly Rustic, the host of this show, and we're, I'm super excited today. I have an awesome person on this podcast and on this video. I'm really excited. Um, I actually ran into Dylan on the Facebook group. I'm one of the moderators on a Facebook group with Steve Vick and Alexander Black, and it's really fun. We do uh, fund my nonprofit, and just ran into Dylan. We started to have conversations about some of the funding needs that he has for his organization, and we had a conversation. I was like, man, you need to come on the show because I think you are doing awesome things that can one inspire other nonprofits and two have some questions or have some funding strategies that might also you know just benefit other nonprofits out there. So without further ado, my guest today is Dylan Mary, and he is a part of a nonprofit in Colombia. Super cool. And they're also establishing US 501c3 presence, which is super cool. And it is called Niñas Sin Miedo, which is translated into fearless girls. And I just love it. I work with a lot of nonprofits that have girls and girl power, and I just I love this. So I'm just going to go ahead and in- introduce Dylan, and then he can share about this nonprofit. All right, so Dylan Mary graduated from Oberlin College in 2018 with a major in political uh, politics and Hispanic studies. At Oberlin, he focused his research on transitional justice in Colombia, private business and culture in Cuba, and electoral campaigns in the United States. Currently, he is the international fundraising coordinator for the Colombian nonprofit Niña Sin Miedo, and that is Fearless Girls Again. And Dylan and the Fearless Girls work to prevent gendered violence and break traditional gender norms through our unique combination or their unique combination of education and cycling programs. Super interesting. In his free time, Dylan enjoys creating Spotify playlists, which I'd love to have some of those, <laughs> making abstract cultures or sculptures and adventuring outdoors. So very, very honored to have you on the show, Dylan. Would you like just to kind of share a little bit about uh, about your nonprofit and what you're doing your role?
1: Absolutely. Well, Holly, thank you so much for this beautiful introduction of both myself and about Nina Cimiero. And I'm really excited to share with both you and your listeners about what we're doing in Colombia with the girls down there. So let me just get started about how I got got involved with them and then tell you a little bit more about the organization itself. So like you were saying, I was I was been researching transitional justice in Colombia, and I did that my last two years at Oberlin College. And I really wanted to learn more about what's going on on the ground with their peace process that's been struggling the past couple of years. I was graduating and I wanted to go down to Colombia. I found this great organization online, Niñas y and I contacted them and they were super responsive and asked me if I wanted to go down there for an internship. So two weeks after graduating, I hopped on a plane to Bogota and got there and was welcomed by an amazing group of, of uh, staff and and volunteers. And of course, the girls that we work with are incredible people. So essentially, Nina y Fearless Girls, is all about preventing gendered and sexual violence and preventing unplanned teen pregnancies, while also breaking traditional gender norms through our sports and education programs. And what we do is we have programs on an almost daily basis in the community of Soacha, Colombia, um, which is an area with a lot of displaced people because of the war that I mentioned, the conflict. And there's not a lot of government resources, mostly dirt roads, people living in places where th- things like electricity and running water came within the last 10 years. And this also creates problematic things for finding jobs and having good schools. So our director, Natalia Espitia, wonderful person, started the organization in 2016. Just by herself, she had just quit her job at Habitat for Humanity because she wanted to work with the girls here. And she, by herself, got a few volunteers together, started getting collecting bikes because she really felt like a, cycling is a way for girls to get exercise. And also feel secure on the streets of Colombia and so that they could you know build up self-autonomy self-esteem and she just started holding these workshops training the girls how to ride bikes how to re- maintain the bikes and it kind of exploded from there even in the past month things have taken off even since I've left in September and there's just women's rights human rights and sorry if I'm rambling on a bit no it's <laughs> Let me fine no
0: love what you're doing and I think that's awesome. I mean, right out of school. So, I mean, just going back to you personally then, that's really ambitious just to be like, I'm gonna graduate and I'm gonna go. So you obviously had a passion with some of that, you know, you wanted to travel and you just really wanted to mm-hmm. see what you had been studying. You know, you've been studying in the transitional justice in Colombia, So you kind of wanted a hands-on approach.
1: Yeah, so I had studied and traveled a bunch in Latin America, but hadn't been to South America or to Colombia. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm driven by social justice working with people so i really wanted to you know do something hands-on and learn from the country learn from the people about what's going on there and what are the real situations and i loved spanish music loved colombian culture from far away and so i went down there just because i wanted to i had no idea what I was actually going to be getting myself into mm-hmm. but it, I was just welcomed and have loved the people I've met there and they have so much passion the girls we work with the girls age 7 through 17 mm-hmm. and probably the core group are 7 through 11 year olds who are in the the English classes that I was teaching mm-hmm. and they just love to learn they just love to compete with each other which is why introducing sports is really great mm-hmm. because they're cycling they're racing they um they're competing each with each other they actually competed in an international bike polo tournament as the first girls bike polo teams from columbia two saturdays ago so they're just really doing amazing things and they're going to become incredible leaders of their communities and of the country
0: that's amazing Um, so if somebody like you who is interested in social justice because a lot of people you know out there that are listening they might be interested they might be college students as well or just you know even um just people that are like, you know, there's more purpose in life, and I really want to go and I want to serve somewhere. How did you find them? You know what I mean? Like, of all the nonprofit yeah. world that you could go and volunteer for, like, how did you find them and kind of narrow it down to that? Like, what, and how would you recommend somebody else do that to find some place to go or nonprofit yeah. to volunteer for?
1: Well, you really have to think about what exactly you want to do and and I have so many interests it's hard to narrow my focus Um, and I'm still trying to figure that out as well but talk to talk to people in the field talk to your friends people your age or older that have worked in international projects be at the UN USAID nonprofits. so I was doing all that doing a lot of networking um, contacting people friends of friends and I had some leads but nothing real concrete but I went on idealist.org which is a great website for nonprofits to find nonprofits and for nonprofits to find young people and, and people looking for jobs or internships or volunteering. So I actually found Miedo fearless girls on idealist.org. I had a conversation, I think the night that I contacted them, mm-hmm. I was in the library kind of procrastinating with from my homework. And I was like, this is exciting. Let me, let me see if I can talk to them right now. And then we had a video chat, and things just took off from there.
0: Great, uh, okay, so I'll definitely and, sh- share that in the show notes, idealist.org, because that is a great, great. resource. Yeah.
1: It is, and I applied for a grant from Oberlin College and won, won a grant so that they financed me to go down to Columbia, which is incredible.
0: Like, how much was Especially it for? <laughs> Do you, do you remember? Uh,
1: they gave me $5,000, nice. which is which is great, especially for going to a country where the U.S. dollar just goes a long way. Right. And I still actually have a little bit of money left over from that. Wow,
0: that's great. How long did that last? Was that like three months or six months or?
1: Well, it was, it was technically a summer internship grant. Uh-huh. So it was supposed to last about three months. Okay. So a lot of people that were applying for d- different grants like this were still undergrad students. Mm-hmm. um so they were going to return back to Oberlin but with this grant they weren't specific about that so I was able to to get it even after I graduated
0: oh that's fantastic okay yeah. so and are you going back to the school and and like giving a keynote speak about this you know or a speech about it or sharing information with them
1: yeah so I It wasn't required, but this past week, I spent about eight days in Oberlin going into classrooms, going to the Bonner Center of Service Learning and talking with students about not only my experiences and the organization, but also trying to give opportunities for students to do volunteering, to do internships, both remotely Mm -hmm. um, at Oberlin, be it fundraising, grant writing or digital media. And Mm -hmm. then we're also gonna be inviting students to come uh, to Columbia this summer and I'll help them with their, with their grant applications. And mm-hmm. because I also worked in the Overland Courier Center. So okay. that gave me a little bit of insights on in how to, how to do those applications.
0: Nice. Okay, perfect. And were you able to recruit some people then? Did you get some people like signed up? That yeah. Are mm-hmm.
1: I have about nine or 10 people wow. that, um, that awesome. contacted me or came to, um, I actually had some drop-in hours um, mm-hmm. <laughs> at the end of the week. So people came to the office I used to work in and they <laughs> talked with me and we were kind of brainstorming ideas about how they can get involved with Niña Sin Miedo be it over the summer or right now so we've got some great support and I did I did a similar talk at my high school in DC oh, nice. uh, a couple of ago so I have two two groups of of students, Mm -hmm. uh, both in Oberlin and DC that are getting ready to get started with me. So I'm really excited about that.
0: That's amazing. And and just for you, you know, your role. So you've been doing all this studying um, transitional justice, like kind of more macro, it looks like more macro kind of things in your, Mm -hmm. in your studies, your academic studies, private business, culture, electoral campaigns, but then your role is international fundraising coordinator. So obviously you said you bring some, you kind of know how to, you know, you've been through the grant, at least at your school and you know how how to you know draft some things and you have some good ideas there but was that very different for you coming into this role or you know was that a natural kind of fit you know can you kind of touch on that because sometimes the volunteers yeah. you might say i want to volunteer for you and then they say yeah but this is what we need this role and you might i don't really know that so well but you can jump in with you know your feet first or you can just go ahead and say let me stick to my skill level so kind of can you explain that because I think it's really interesting yeah so
1: before actually getting to Columbia, I didn't know exactly what my role was going to be but I knew that I had skills obviously I know English so being able to teach English with the girls Mm -hmm. I love sports so I helped out with the bicycle school program which is really fun I think we have about 28 weekly volunteers that are helping with us in Colombia both with the bicycle school program or education program Mm -hmm. Um, English. So I was helping with all those logis- those things as well as logistics in terms of planning those 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 activities and workshops. Mm-hmm. And once I got an understanding of the organization, then I was working directly with our with Natalia, the director, about what we can do to create outreach outside of Colombia and also do fundraising. And I hadn't really done a lot of fundraising. Mm-hmm. I'm an Eagle Scout, so I did fundraising events all for right. like, my Eagle Scout project mm-hmm. and other events like that, but nothing for an organization such as Nimia Miedo. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of jumped in. And I hadn't done a GoFundMe campaign, but I was, I decided, you know, this is what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. And we set a goal. Originally, it was $1,500. And then we we decided, no, we can do $2,000. Nice. And then we started at 2000 And then we realized, you know, things are going quickly. So we jumped it up to 2500 mm-hmm. And then we broke that goal within a month. Nice. And we moved it up to 3000 And now the goal is at 4000 wow. So we've gotten a lot of support. I think in the first month and a half, we had 63 people donate and then between the five and $500 to get us over the 3000 mark. And that was really, really exciting. I had never done anything like that before. Mm -hmm. But I realized, you know, we have a really great story. Mm -hmm. We're, We're working with girls in a country that really does not support them. Mm -hmm. From a fundamental level, Colombia and other Latin American countries, women are not appreciated in the same way as other countries are. Like our director says, a lot of women in these communities specifically have to ask their husbands for permission to do things.
0: Uh, mm -hmm.
1: And being able to educate both women and their families, Mm -hmm. girls and their families, about the need to appreciate the girls and give them proper educational opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, is a big part of our programming
0: is there are a lot of uh, programs for boys then there, there's a lot more out there that boys can kind of tap into
1: well I, they a lot of people ask me you know you guys work with girls but of course you know everyone needs to be educated about preventing sexual violence and right. you know hundred percent hundred percent but we are focusing on girls because they really need spaces to grow and have their voices heard mm-hmm. and we are a small organization and we want to you know work with these girls first because they really need it and they want it and there are other we're one of Two organizations in Colombia working specifically with girls on education.
0: Wow, that's um, interesting. And I love what you do. Like I, I think when we were talking on the phone before and you were telling me that the founder had, you know, the reason she started was she had been in a precarious situation or yeah. I remember this quite you know, accordingly. And and then she the bike had transformed her life. And I love it. It's so simple. It's not like, you know, she had to spend a hundred thousand dollars on some huge program to change her life it was like a simple thing like if i'm on a bike a guy's not gonna be able to grab me as easy you know easily right um i have yeah. a little bit more freedom i can get around i mean just that simple like transition of transportation allows empowerment yeah so can you kind of talk about that a little bit because i think it's so interesting
1: yeah so she has a pretty powerful story natalia Spitia. she like i was saying she had been working in international um ngos such as habitat for humanity Mm -hmm. And she had been working in Argentina where she experienced an attempted uh, sexual assault Mm -hmm. and she escaped, but she was not feeling safe and secure and happy on the streets, Mm -hmm. just walking around. And she left Argentina, went back to Colombia and started working with Habitat for Humanity as their as co- their country communications director. And she was working directly in the communities of Sawatcha and others and started building relationships with people. But she still wasn't feeling secure about her own situation
0: mm-hmm.
1: and about the incident that occurred to her. So her boss suggested that she learn how to ride a bicycle. And so at the age of 27, she learned how to ride a bike. And like you said, it, it really just transformed her and her outlook on life. And she realized, you know, I need to spread this to other girls. Mm-hmm. So that they can have freedom too and feel secure. So she'd already been working in Swatcha and she decided to quit her job and wow. work with the girls there and get, donate, get bikes donated for the girls. So that's how she started. And it's really been a beautiful movement since there. And like Steve Vick always says, organizations two years, five years, 10 years old are in their infancy. And we really feel that as well. Mm-hmm. but we've been able to work with so many girls and impact lives with so little resources and we want to just keep growing and we think the potential is just um
0: yeah, it's amazing. it's amazing. I mean, even what you guys did and just to kind of talk about that, the bike thing, and I think that's important. And even going back to what, you know, you said Steve says about the empathy and some people think, okay, I'm going to open a nonprofit and within the first year, I'm going to be able to quit my job. I'm going to get the same full-time salary that I was getting there with all the fringe benefits. And, you know, and they just think immediate money. And even when it comes to grants or crowdfunding, a lot of time they think free money and it's going to be easy. And it's like, no, it's a different system, <laughs> you know, but at the same time, if you can think of cost-effective ways too that can transform people's lives easier because sometimes if you put huge programs into place right it doesn't it's too far away from what's been happening for people that it's too far of a jump and just another example is a program that I've heard works really well is for people with diabetes right and one of the things that they do is they have just a walking buddy program and that's been able to help with diabetes type 2 just to have a like tremendously and it's not like we have to put the state of the ARC $500,000 system in place and or everyone has to eat vegan when they're not used to it and it's too hard to wrap their heads around it's just a yeah. walking buddy like everybody knows how to walk you know what I mean like it's a simple thing so I love that with a bike because a bike is affordable everybody can learn how to ride a bike you know what I mean you can have training wheels if you need to but you know it's, it's yeah. a simple thing and I, I just I love the approach and I love how it spread you were just telling me about uh, a bike tour can you talk about the bike tour
1: so yeah. this year we hosted our second bike tour in in Bogota. Our first one last year, we had about 50, 50 kids, both from uh, Soacha, our community, and from Bogota itself. And this year, we had about 120 people, both girls from girls and their families from Soacha, other girls from um, Bogota, mm-hmm. and a lot of other people joined in as well. And we created our event, I think, our event page on Facebook two, three months ago. Uh-huh. And we spread it around so much that the French embassy in Colombia actually reached out to us a month before the event, asking to sponsor the event and be a partner, which is really great because it provides more visibility. And they were impressed with the event and want to be a partner with us going forward, which is really, really amazing opportunity for us. Yeah. Um, but it these, kind of, these sorts of events mm-hmm. are also really important, not only for visibility of the organization, but for the girls mm-hmm. uh, that we work with, because they get opportunities to see outside of their limited bubble in a lot of ways to interact with girls and and people from Bogota the capital of Colombia and just getting a beautiful event getting being outside we had a picnic at the end where everyone just Mm -hmm. spent time together and celebrated it was for the International Day of the Girl also so it was a great time to just celebrate girls. And that's just one of our one of our big events in, in October. And we have a second one coming up this weekend on the 20th, where we have another, our second big event called the, our second Girl Empowerment Convention, which is really cool. Our first one we hosted in July, so I was there and, and was helping out. And it was just a really great event for uh, female professionals who we invited to hold workshops and talk with the girls about life trajectory, about their goals, about breaking gender norms and stereotypes about them. We had uh, a woman who became really deaf at a young age, and but then her mom worked with her to be able to learn seven languages, which wow. is really cool. She knows how to read lips and to make and to speak in in seven languages, which wow. is really awesome.
0: That's amazing. So it's really
1: great for the girls to see how they can, they too can um, overcome great adversity. And we have our second one this Sunday, I believe. And we're inviting um, women that are just doing awesome things in Colombia female rappers, singers, and anthropologists. We have Columbia's first woman to climb Mount Everest. Oh, wow. um, just really cool, just really cool people, and I wish I could be there. But um, I'm gonna hear great stories and and see the photos and videos. So I'm really that's excited about awesome. that.
0: Are they coming for free? Are they doing this pro bono?
1: Yeah, they are. They wow, are doing it pro so bono. Um, we've been able to get some great great sponsors that are just working with us. Direct TV is a sponsor on the event. Oh, nice. Uh, last event we had Dove from Unilever. They came, and these companies that are coming to sponsor are are sending people who are talking with the families during the event so okay. while the girls are in different different areas doing activities the families get together and, and they get a chance to learn from us and from our sponsors about uh, women's rights and that form part of human rights and really get a chance to bring together the family for that affair as well oh, that's uh, which is great. really important for us because we really want the girls to have healthy and safe homes which mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. not all of them do, which is another reason we partner with one of uh, Colombia's governmental departments, which is called Bienestar Familiar, which translates to uh, family well-being, which is kind of like our social services where they, if we see an inappropriate situation in the home, we can get this organization to to intervene and work with the family so it gets better. And, you know, that's not perfect, but it's another way where we're able to be there for the girls in all facets of their lives.
0: Right. No, I love that you guys are getting local support and, you know, just Mm -hmm. people. And I think that's so important because as you said, the, the country itself, it's doesn't have a lot of funds within its infrastructure necessarily, right? To But it can support with different people and, you know, even like the, or other organizations like the French Embassy, like that's so cool. But I also know that you, um, and I love how you had kind of positioned where you, you guys said, you know what, we need to bring in other fundings from outside of the country because we know people are passionate and they want to assist, but we need that legal documentation, if you will. So can you kind of talk about yeah. how you you went about getting a U.S. you know entity formed
1: or yeah. Or so even. when when I when I got to um, Niña Escamiero in Bogota, they'd they'd already built some partnerships with people outside the outside Colombia, mm-hmm. be it um, Colombian expats living in Australia, Germany, U.S., and had some monthly donors outside mm-hmm. the outside the country. But it wasn't really a substantial organized part of our fundraising. And towards the end of my time there, this summer. Um, Natalia asked me to go to the U.S. and establish the organization's presence and get nonprofit status. And I was really excited when she asked me to do this because I know that it was just a great next step for the organization and also for me. Mm-hmm. I had never done anything like this, and I'd already learned so much in in the two or three months that I was there. But I was really excited for this next step, so I started trying to educate myself on what does it mean to create a nonprofit. Now, I actually started out with. Uh, the nonprofit ally nice. uh, because nice. someone had recommended that to me and so I started listening to Steve's podcast which was really great had so uh had so many insights and his guests are awesome and started writing my articles of incorporation started mm-hmm. drafting bylaws trying to get to get you know educated on what like what are the steps legally to get Uh, status. And when I got back to the US, I started talking with people that I thought would be great board members. And I had got some support, but it was a little bit not as strong as I would have liked, Mm -hmm. especially and I think that was because I'm so young, and the organization is not super well known outside of Mm Colombia. So people were not, you know, really ready to get on board with me on this project, you know, they wanted to support, you know, here's, here's 100 bucks, but I can't really dedicate my time as a board member. And I understood that, but it was frustrating. But then I talked with the pastor of my church. She's got a great nonprofit and her husband also does a lot of nonprofit work. And so I sat down with them and, um, and her husband told me, you know, my, my friend has this new tech company that has a platform for nonprofits, you should talk to him. So I talked with uh, the CEO of this company called Giving, uh, GVNG, and they have a platform where they, they provide umbrella 501c3 status. They do all the the legal back work, the, the finances, all of that. And me being by myself, I'd raised some money, but I didn't have a team around me. It seemed like this was the best option. So I jumped on with that. And and now we have nonprofit status, which is, it became, it came almost immediately. Now they do a background check on you, but you can start fundraising pretty much right away.
0: And you're that. operating under their 501c3, is that correct?
1: Right. So yeah. we don't have our own board. we use we have their board. We have mm-hmm. 501c3 status through them. And we're, you know, working at the Kinks, we're their first uh, international NGO. They had mm-hmm. done, they had worked with an emergency relief nonprofit that was sending money to Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Um, but we are their first kind of, you know, longstanding organization um, outside of the US that they're working with. So it's been a little, it's not been the easiest transition, but I think it's working really well for me being by myself right now on this team and right, i think that's a,
0: it's a good solution you know because you can fall underneath another umbrella and there are a lot of nonprofit umbrellas out there that that's how yeah, they operate yeah and it just it you know oftentimes they'll do your financial reporting which is good you, they can be your bookkeeper which is amazing mm-hmm. and they can write grants for you sometimes they do grant training so a lot of times that's kind of their what they do for it i'm not, i'm not sure about giving but i believe you said they are helping with your bookkeeping and that sort of thing they handle that end is that correct or
1: they do all of that. You create the account for free, which is great. So you get to see you know, what it's all about. And then once you start fundraising, they take 5%. And then there's also a um, a credit card fee, 2.2%. But um, the donor can choose to pay for that part, which is nice.
0: Okay cool
1: so there's a checkbox for that which is helpful and then once you want to start you know doing the the premium features which is actually the important stuff about paying people paying vendors you know hosting events getting volunteers through the website you have to pay for the premium package which ranges from $50 to $100 and Per month or per year? Per month. Sorry. Per month. Uh-huh. Um, and because we are doing an international sending money internationally, uh, mm-hmm. they told me that that extra legal work I have to do the the highest package, which is a hundred dollars a month, which seems expensive, but you don't have I don't have to pay for any of board members insurance. I don't have to pay for incorporating. So it's really a great easy step for me yeah. initially. And if I want to break off and create our own nonprofit. We technically are our own nonprofit, mm-hmm. but if we wanted to create more autonomy, we can at a later point, which is great.
0: Right. Yeah. And I think that's fabulous because it is, that's a great transition because it does the paperwork t- take time. Sometimes your 501c3, it can take, you know, for your federal one, it can take quite a bit of time and it's expensive. Oh, yeah. You know, it's about 800 bucks at this time, I believe. So it, yeah, right there, you're just saying, okay, we're going to go ahead. We're going to have, and the other thing too, is this organization, they have history, right? of different things. So they they probably have more credibility than you would have right out of the gate. So right. to be able to start securing some grants through them, it, I mean, that would be helpful. And they have a CPA, they have all that stuff on board, you know what I mean, within the organization, it will right. help you be more credible to get funding. And then later on, like you said, once you've built up your reputation a little bit more within the states and getting federal grants and foundation grants, then um, you can really launch off if that's where you're looking at going. So I think that's a great solution. And I love right. that, you know, you guys are talking about that because 'Cause I actually have a lot of international nonprofits that come to me and they're overwhelmed with the paperwork and the process of getting the 501c3, mm. the US, right? So it is like a huge step and it's almost like forget it then. For some people, so I like that there's a solution, and that you guys are, you know, at the stepping stone. And like you said, it was pretty much immediate. So you guys could be applying for federal grants today and get those. Yeah, right.
1: yeah. So um, we're still working out all the details. So I'll get back to you at another point in terms of, you know, how smoothly was it to actually send the money? Because right now we have an agreement where, let's say. We raise five thousand dollars f- for a specific thing. So one of our big fundraising goals right now is to get a space, our own community space. Mm-hmm. We're renting right now, but we our own, create sustainability, autonomy, and that's going to cost about six thousand dollars. So, mm-hmm. so let's say I raise six thousand dollars in this next month, and I want to send it down there. I have to fill out some forms, and then they, once the money is sent, um, I have to send giving a video and a story about what the money was used for, and that's pretty simple and straightforward. It'll mm-hmm. be it on paper. Um, mm-hmm. But we haven't done that yet. So I'll have to get back to you mm. about how easy that is. One thing that I don't necessarily like about the platform is that they only they give us a website, too, which is really cool. Oh, nice. don't have to pay for a platform.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, but there's not a lot of design or, you know, you can't there's like not customiz- a lot of options that look yeah. like customization. Yeah. You know, you put your your video and your story and things like that, but there's not a lot of customization beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um and for the fundraising, the crowdfunding uh, campaign, they say that they don't show the goal to the donors, which I think is not so great. You know, I remember listening to and watching your podcast with with Steve, and it's great to show the donors what is our goal, and then to have that ticker, you know, oh, yeah. get past that 30% point, mm-hmm. so to really get get moving. Yeah. Uh, so that shows momentum for our donors, mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't show that, which I think is a, a mistake, and um. I think I should probably talk to... Now I've I've been talking with the CEO, mm-hmm. so maybe I can talk with him and see if if he can make those changes because I think that would yeah. be, be cool.
0: I mean, you could even look at you know some of the other nonprofit crowdfunding sites and just show him that this is what is happening. You know, kind of as like this is what everyone's doing. So obviously, there's some you know backing to it. They're showing these, yeah. and, you know, and, and the other thing is you do want to get some people kind of at a soft, soft launch to show, you know what I mean? To kind of up the ante a little bit so it doesn't start from zero, but you already have, like you already started on that. Like you said, you're up to what, 3K now or you're? Yeah, 3,700,
1: 3,800, which is great. And, but we're going to be transitioning away from the GoFundMe to the the giving page, which is NSM USA, because uh, when when donors contribute on our website now, on this Mm -hmm. US website, uh, they get an immediate email with their tax deduction information their tax receipt oh that's nice yeah which is yeah. which might be the case for other nonprofit based or centered crowdfunding pages yeah
0: yeah but-
1: GoFundMe, I don't think
0: does that. Yeah, yeah. I know there's like Indiegogo Generosity is for nonprofits. And mm-hmm. I believe they waive all transaction fees, which is nice for nonprofits. That's so, awesome. Yeah. I mean, even 2.2% is not bad, I don't think. I, I think GoFundMe is more than that. I'm not sure.
1: I think the one there's GoFundMe has different rates for different uh, organizations the way it does. I think our rate was about 2.2%. But strangely, because we weren't technically a US nonprofit when we were doing the GoFundMe. I think for nonprofits it was actually higher. They they raised it up to like five, seven percent, which is a lot.
0: It's a lot. I mean, even like Eventbrite, right? I mean, ah, sometimes I cringe like you're trying to sell tickets or whatever on that for fundraisers. Yeah. To find better platforms. So. Oh,
1: we can sell tickets on this on our platform as well, which is
0: great. Yeah, because that, that's good. Cool. Okay, so I want to talk about, you said you had a goal of a community space, and I kind of want to look at your goals now. And I know you guys have three main funding goals, I believe, um, right now. So can you kind of talk about those funding goals?
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So like I was saying, our, our first big goal is to purchase a lot in our community, which is going to create a space for girls to be able to access every day. And those are places where we're going to be talking about education. Mm-hmm. We're going to be teaching English, sex ed, making sure the girls know what their what their rights are, which mm-hmm. is really huge because they don't know if they don't know what they are, they they really don't know how to exercise those rights.
0: Right. Uh, yeah.
1: Which is huge. I know we all in the U.S. you know sex ed classes is normal. Sometimes it's fun. Sometimes it's boring. You know, <laughs> but I think a lot most of these girls don't have access to that in their schools. Right. Um, so it's really hard for them to know how to build healthy relationships. Right. Um, I don't know what what signs to look out for to get out of precarious situations. Mm -hmm. Um, or even just knowing how that they
0: can say no, those kind of things. Exactly.
1: And a lot of people, even in the US, don't know that until high school or college. Right. Um, so being able to have people where they're working with the girls in groups and one-on-one is, is huge. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that brings me to the, our next goal, which is, so that first goal is $6,000 for the community center. Mm-hmm. And now that is to buy land. And we have an organization lined up who is willing to help us construct the property, construct the building once we get the lot. So it's really, we've got people helping us, but we need to get to this, get to this lot in Sowatra. Our second goal is to hire three part-time psychologists to work with the girls uh, one-on-one and in small groups. And that will really help us create, uh, you know, a well-rounded center for the girls to go to when they're struggling and when there's issues at home or in school with their friends. And to do that for one, for one year, mm-hmm. three psychologists, 5500 U.S. dollars, wow. which is seems like nothing.
0: That's amazing.
1: Um, so we really feel like this is another achievable goal for us by the end of the year. And our third goal is to strengthen our programming. So to strengthen our staff and hire another program coordinator who would be able to help us with administrative work and also just organizing, increase our impact and capacity building. And that would cost about $5,000 a year. So we're looking at really an achievable goal of, of around $17,000, which we feel like we can achieve, especially once we've uh, created this impact in the U.S., Mm-hmm. You know, and that's what my goal is. And I'm putting together a team here, like I said, of Overland students of my of high school students. So we're going to do at least two big fundraisers by the end of the year, which I'm really excited about.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And um, I mean, 17,000 to I mean, that's employing f- four people and it's purchasing land. Like that's crazy mm. cheap, you know what I mean? It's just, yeah. and it's, it's and like you said, there's a conversion rate. So it really does. I mean, the impact of that. So if anyone's interested in giving like their impact, you know, a thousand dollars or of a hundred dollars, it's reaching many girls. So, and you serve, did you say about 50 to hundred girls per year or every day? Yeah. So the,
1: the girls that are specifically in our, in our programs, mm-hmm. 50 girls in 2018, mm-hmm. um, but that that it goes beyond just those girls because some of their brothers come and they hang out. And, you know, they're not directly involved in our programs, but they're learning indirectly.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And also our programs where we're doing the bike tour and doing the the um, empowerment conference in Bogota. We're inviting families and girls from Suatja and Bogota. So we're impacting more than just the 50 core girls. But being able to have our own property will allow us to expand our space and having another program coordinator will allow us to work with more girls because just one coordinator it's kind of difficult to to manage all of that you know that's a
0: lot that's a lot of um girls yeah that's a lot of people to manage you know, and it's a lot of projects and activities going on so i mean yeah. this is amazing so i love this and the main way that you're um kind of getting funding for these different tasks or these different objectives is through your crowdfunding page is that correct right now yes
1: so over the over the uh the summer i did the gofundme but now we're on our own uh mm-hmm. website in the u.s where donors We'll get a tax deduction right away, which is great. And I'll give you that link so you can put it in your show notes.
0: Perfect. Uh, so the URL, you, um, we, we can share it on the show notes with you guys. And like, like uh, Dylan was saying, that goes directly through this organization that's assisting them, you know, with their, five, or with their U.S. presence. So that's pretty cool. Right. I love that. I love that there's so much impact that that could happen. And is your goal by the end of the year then to raise the 17?
1: It is. 000? It is. We yep. want to get to the 17,000 so we can start uh, 2019 strong and have great programs for the girls and a great space for them mm-hmm. to learn and grow and be able to share their voices. You know, yeah,
0: that's amazing. So, yeah, so tell me what are you gonna do then what 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 other fundraisers or what people might be able to watch out for that you guys are doing to raise this money, and how can I get involved?
1: Yeah, yeah, so I've been learning a little bit about giving Tuesday, which sounds yeah. like an, a a great movement started in the u s but is a global movement now, which is November twenty seventh this year, and we're looking to launch a Giving Tuesday for Niña Sin Miedo on October twenty seventh. Now, I've been I've been posting a little bit on social media this this week about us having five hundred one c three status, mm-hmm. but we're really going to launch stuff coming up in the next week or so to share about what our goals are for fundraising and what each contribution can how that that you can make an impact with a small contribution or a large one if you're yeah uh, willing to to toss us some bucks, but really every little bit helps because we can do so much with so little.
0: Mm -hmm. And I love this. I mean, it's just people can give. And, you know, even if that's your Christmas present, right? Like that would be a great Christmas yeah. present to give people because a lot of times it, nowadays it's like I don't even know what to get people anymore because you know everyone's so affluent, you know what I mean in the states, right? So it's you see a lot of different friends and people and you're like, well, they pretty much, you know, they have the things that they need yeah. and you know you want to get them maybe luxury items like a massage or something, but that lasts an hour, you know what I mean? So this could be something where I said I'm gonna instead give my friend or my aunt or my mom, you know, a hundred dollars contribution where she can put it in her name. And and, you know reach right. so many people and how cool would that be you know so i think yeah, it's creating
1: sustainability too yeah you know, instead of buying you know hundred dollar shirt where it's made by essentially slave labor somewhere across the world
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: spend that hundred dollars on on education and on, on girls rights so uh, oh, and then if you spend
0: a do. certain amount you get the t-shirt you're wearing can you hold it up a little
1: bit yeah yeah, yeah. so uh we made these t-shirts gorgeous Our, the friend of the Nat- uh, best friend of natalia the director is a is a clothing designer in colombia Mm-hmm. Uh, so she made the shirts for us on the back you'll see it says DC for NSM, DC uh-huh. for Nina Sin Miedo, And that's because you know I'm from DC. I love the city and this is where I really want to grow the roots for the organization in the US. Um so if you donate $35 or more, I will ship it to your house in the continental US. Sorry, Guam. <laughs> I was like, what about Guam? Um, <laughs> we've also got these great buffs that we're selling for twelve dollars. Uh, these are great for for biking covers your neck and your face. Great for winter time when it's cold outside. You want to breathe like a nice little mask that you can move up and down. And if you buy any of that, I'll give you some free stickers. Oh,
0: nice. <laughs> I love that you got all the swag. That's so cool.
1: Yeah. Speaking about that, you know, one of my big questions for you is about incentivizing donors. You know, it, mm-hmm. it obviously feels good to contribute to an organization that you feel is doing great things. But how do you incentivize people to, to keep donating and maybe become a recurring donor? kind yeah. of making an investment with us. How do you uh, convey that as an investment?
0: Well, I mean, I would definitely, I like what you guys are doing. It's short term, right? You have a goal and that works really well for crowdfunding. And, you know, Steve always talks about that too, um, where he, you know, it's it's a certain limited amount of time and you need to reach certain goals. But then what happens after, like you're saying, what about the long-term sustainability with your donors? You know, how do you have them become annual donors? And a part of that too could be, let's reach out to our highest giving donors, you know, throughout this crowdfunding platform and then create relationships. So that could be, hey guys, you know, follow up with them and say, this is how many girls that your money, you know, impacted a hundred bucks equals helping 10 youth. You know what I mean? And these are the projects or, you know, whatnot. You can translate that and say, we would like you to continue being a partner with us you and right. you know, and that that way you can also put together solicitation letters. And a lot of them I'm doing nowadays, honestly, with the nonprofits I work with. Instead of just specific events, like fun, you know, we're doing this gala, say, so we need five thousand dollars or whatever. Instead of doing that, say, what are all the different events you're going to be doing for 2019? Right, okay. you might have another um, bike tour uh, and yeah, and one in DC, and you know what I mean. There's some other things that you're going to be doing, and say, you know, for an annual donation of say a thousand dollars or whatnot whatever tier levels that you have you can be this type of, of donor you know you can be a fearless girl donor and you can um, get your logo on all the things that we do companies love that especially other or if it's an individual name maybe if they want their name on that or they want to come up you know even with their kid's name they want to name their donation after their kid yeah. or something you know maybe they have a daughter like my daughter is Bella maybe I want to have and she's seven right so let's sponsor um, uh-huh. a Bella project right so and that helps yeah. other girls hurt age. I think that would be fun, but just to tell them that these are all the different things that are going on. You can name something after this, or if you have a logo, we can put that on all of our advertising and our marketing materials, our outreach materials, and you can give even, it's important too, to give a, some kind of appreciation, right? So I, and it's hard maybe, because like if you're in Columbia and a lot of these donors, they are coming from the States, like you may not have anything physical, but maybe that's where you could think out of the box and say, let's have an annual online appreciation day or something. And you're just going to, you know, I don't know, you could just do something live where you're talking about them, and really link, or you could take videos of the girls saying thank you to so-and-so and waving, you know what I mean? And writing their yeah. book something that that shows I think that would help form relationships with people when they are constantly on an ongoing basis maybe once a quarter getting a video getting a wave getting something where they can see their impact and that'll keep them hooked in or maybe wanting to give more because they're directly involved with this you know
1: yeah no that's great and we've done a little bit of those those video thank yous but I think that we can do more and really show our Individual donors that you know, these girls are constantly benefiting from the gifts that they are contributing.
0: Yeah, and it's just you know, if they're annual, you really want to pull them in, like you know, we want a thousand dollars a year. And but throughout that time, it's not just so, okay, thanks, thank you. That one time, you know, it's about how do we develop a relationship or just almost think of them like they're advisory board members and they want knowledge about what's going on. So once a quarter, okay. what are we going to share with our donors? How are we going to keep them involved? You know are we gonna invite them down here you know what I mean like hey guys if you want to come down, yeah like meet the girls come you know see what we're doing even in the states you can do stuff so if you see a lot of your donors are coming from DC you know maybe you could do something up there as well and I love I think you said are you actually already doing the bike tours in DC as well we have not
1: Uh, I was thinking about doing one this year but the weather's getting pretty cold
0: yeah, so probably
1: yeah. the best time we're probably going to do one in the spring would be the best time for one in D.C.
0: That would be. Good. What about like even some gyms? Could you do a spin class? Dedicated? Like a yeah, like well, that's a good idea. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And especially like a, a gym that's kind of socially conscious or there, you know, you could coordinate yeah. the whole franchise. So at the same time, like at noon spinning classes across D.C., we're going to, you know, donate this class to the fearless girls and everyone chips in a donation that would be really fun and really int- whatever you can think out of the box cuz you know like you said it's cold <laughs> like but right. <laughs> <on>. <laughs> You're there i don't know so that might be a fun thing
1: yeah yeah no that's great and you know i can i can go to the different gyms and just talk to them you know yeah. and you know maybe one out of five says yes but oh, that's really? that's one big class of 30 people donating 10, $50.
0: Yeah. Um, and so they that maybe they keep it as a monthly thing or something, you know, and it's a good PR for them. Yeah. Right. So, it so it actually it would help. I think it would benefit a gym, you know, to do something like that because it puts them on the map. And the other thing I want to relate it back to is your social media. So your social media, you guys have a good following. So you leverage that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we're going to share your, your. The, we can, facebook live one of this one of the spinning classes onto our facebook right and you're going to get a lot of views you know we can share it in different groups we can um, definitely promote you as a socially conscious gym that's doing something different that might be a good way to get them to be like yeah <laughs> i want to do that no, it, right. for them. but yeah can you talk about your social a little bit Cause I, I love that that you have that yeah. you did say that's a place where people can go to check you out so where, where can people find you
1: yeah so people can find us First of all, by Googling Niña Sin Miedo,
0: mm-hmm.
1: is the N on the second N. But on, on Instagram, it's Niña Sin Miedo. Facebook, it's Niña Sin Miedo. Twitter, it's Niña Sin Miedo as well but if you just google us you'll find it right away which is great yeah so we we have a lot of posts in Spanish right now and I've done some in English for us but part of my recruitment here in the US is finding people that can manage our pages and make content in English which is really huge for uh, constantly updating our followers and our donors to to share with them what we're doing and October has been a crazy month for us we've done so much and a lot of my friends are reaching out to me being like wow Dylan you're doing you're you're saving the world (laughs) and while I don't feel like I'm saving Saving the world I feel like I'm doing my part you know I'm doing my one small step where I can make an impact yeah you and people see do. that and they love that people love it
0: I mean it's inspiring like even when we were talking I was like this is great like he's right out of college and it's not like where's my job what's my career gonna be I've got to go I don't know there In- are people
1: pestering me about that but <laughs> <laughs> but no I really I really feel that I'm doing amazing work mm-hmm. and I'm gaining a lot both Personally, but also professionally, building up my experiences, building up my knowledge of of how to do all these logistics and and fundraising and relationship building in the organization. So I think I'm I'm getting a lot, and I'm doing other small things like tutoring Spanish and taking Farsi lessons soon, like I mentioned to you earlier. Yeah. So th- this is just a really a great time of my life where I get to experiment with with great opportunities, and I've just been really blessed mm-hmm. that. To- be part of this great team and i I love I love calling our director and calling um, the other staff members and volunteers and just learning okay what did you guys do today tell me tell me what you did and they've just surprised me all the time especially this month about about what they've been doing a couple of weeks ago they surprised me and said that they met the some of the girls spoke in front of Bogota city council which is crazy I've never been to a city council before but girls from nine years old 13 years old were speaking in front of city council members talking about girls rights and that is just so exciting great opportunity for them and for the visibility of girls in the country to say you know people really care about us and that's what the girls really want and then this past week the girls were invited to meet Marta Lucia Ramirez which is Colombia's first and only vice president of female vice president of Colombia so the wow. girls met with her at breakfast and were talking with her about what they believe as are the important issues for Colombian, for Colombians and for girls living there.
0: Oh my gosh. I just got goosebumps. Like, that's amazing. I mean, I think what I would love, yeah, I would love to see is, you know, in five years and 10 years, like where these girls are then, because it just seems like they're all going to be, you know, major leaders or influencers, you know, of some sort of positive, just amazingness you know in the world exactly. so I mean you're creating legacies really you know
1: yeah and the vice president asked these girls what do you want where are you gonna be when you grow up and other them said you know doctors lawyers wow. um, you know, senators uh, but Mariana who's 13 years old she gave a great answer and we always we believe that she's gonna be one of the best leaders of the organization and maybe even Colombia And everyone was she. She spoke in front of Bogota City Council, and after she spoke, people were chanting "Mariana for president, Mariana (laughs) Mariana for president." Um, So everyone was expecting her to to tell the vice president, "I'm going to be president one day." Mm -hmm. But she said, "You know, I don't want to be tied down by anyone or anything. I just want my freedom." And it was just a beautiful thing for her to say, where she feels like she's a free spirit. Mm -hmm. She's amazing leader. She's really smart, passionate, but she's not going to be tied down by anyone's standards or expectations for her. So that was really cool to to hear about.
0: That's amazing. Yeah, I just, man, we could talk for hours about everything that is happening in (laughs) Colombia. I just, I feel like that is just so cool that you, especially, you know, you came and you're studying this and you're looking at transitional justice and then you actually applied it and you went. And I think that's really inspirational and I hope the listeners out there that might be considering what they should do or being a little fearful of taking the next step just you know really step out into their freedom and into that zone to be able to make an impact and i also hope any um funders that are listening to this consider funding uh your not only your organization but also other dreams of people that you know they have to help out in the world and to actually be a part of that social change because that's what's really important you know money is a mechanism absolutely but all the wealth in the world can't bring about social justice unless you have a heart for it so I just commend you for that heart in you know doing okay. it so, yeah it's amazing so um, before we close up I just I know you um, want to talk about this and I, I just said you know if you got if you have any questions at the end um, for me um, you know because with my grant background um, go for it ask me and hopefully that would help any yeah. other organizations that are that are out there yeah
1: yeah well you, you've already been really helpful so far in talking about um, incentivizing donors and in working with international nonprofits, the logistics of how that works. How do you stay focused and motivated as an individual trying to organize all these events and people when you don't have a lot of time, you don't have a lot of resources? Mm-hmm. Uh, what, what would you recommend to someone like me who is trying to get their start trying to learn and also teach and organize?
0: Right. Okay. That's a great question. Um, yeah. And it's one I kind of hear often. And, and part of that too is we need the money to make the things happen, but we don't have Time to, or we don't have the money necessarily to spend on grant writing services, right? Because they can be rather expensive, right? They can for certain, you know, it depends on, right? If you're looking at seventeen thousand, right? You don't want to spend two thousand dollars or whatnot. But the other thing is time, and I love that you mentioned time because that's something that's really can be difficult. But I think you're in the right direction. Like absolutely, you already have what about nine people you said on the on the that are kind of like, hey, we want to help like volunteers, right? Yep. And I think that's really important to have them and to say, okay guys, this is what we need to do. And then it's really about delegating. And then you can even say for each person, like even if you yourself don't know, like I don't know how to connect, I don't know, you know, this certain grant, it's a federal grant, I haven't written it before, I want you to learn how to do it. You know I mean? So how do you do that? <laughs> Well, you can, there's books out there, um, there's courses, there's different things that are very affordable that they could then take to do that, right? So then you're not taking your time, even if you knew how to do it, you're not taking your time and resources to train somebody else how to do it. You're leveraging other sources. Right. So that can really help you know, mitigate some of those costs and some of your time, especially. The other thing is too, is that you would more focused kind of recruit people and volunteers. You know, you can make a job description for a grant writer, for a crowdfunding um, organizer, for a development, donor development person, right? And actually say, this is, this is a job description. These are all the things that I want you to accomplish. So in a way, you could maybe yourself just, I love mind mapping, you know, where you just throw everything out on the you wall, know, yeah. right? You write it all down. And you could do something like that. Like, what are all the different roles that I feel like need to be done? right? For this job. So all of a sudden you're like a grant writer and then you're listing all the different things they need to do. Crowdfunder, all the things they need, donor development, marketing, you know, and you just list it all out. And then you say, okay, there's no way I can do all of this, but it all needs to get done. So now I'm going to create operation manual. I'm going to create job descriptions for each role. I might have to assign myself to those roles for a while, (laughs) but you know, but, but it's there, right? And then as soon as somebody comes on, so you can either, when that person comes on, you say, okay, you need to learn how to do this role. and Here's your job description. So for them too, it's clear. It's not like, what do I need to do? And, you know, and then you're like, oh my gosh, now I have to work extra hard because I have to organize them. That's a lot of work, a lot of time, Mm -hmm. but you already have something developed. This is what you need to do. This is what I am expecting from you, you know, and this is what you're going to get in value in return. So you can have those things listed as well. And that's really important to say, what is their value? Even if it's just, you know, they're learning things and they're also getting you know, things that, you know, they're feeling like they contribute. So that's good for them. The other thing is, um, you can also, sorry, it was getting a little bit, but you can also then advertise those job descriptions for people that actually have the skills. So you already have the job descriptions written out and you can attract people and yes, sure. It might be an unpaid position, but they're getting once again the values back they're getting maybe you know extra work whatever that you know they can actually learn how to do more things in a better way or get experience put it on the resume all those sort of things so or they might just not need the money they might be highly skilled with those you know and they just don't need the money, but they're able to actually contribute that skill to your organization, which is awesome. And there are people out there like that, right? So definitely you can go either one of those ways. It'll help you mitigate your time, like time loss, and it'll you know just get those people on board and it'll help you also know what to delegate. So that could be something that really keeps you more focused. And it's just every week, what is the goal? <laughs> you know, Here's our goal at the end of the year, yeah. 17K work backwards. What do we need to do to get there? Well, by the beginning of November, we need to have 13,000, but you know what I mean? So you work backward and what are the events that are going to happen? And then you go forward. Okay. Then this week, this is the task that we need to do. Second week, this is the task. Are we on, are we on board? What do we need to change as you go through, but just to have the strategy all lined out and that can take a little bit of time, but honestly, you're going to save so much time when you plan it out like
1: yeah, that. Yeah,
0: yeah, one day of just doing all that and then say, go, you know what I mean? So yeah, that would be um, something. I've done that for myself as well. And it's been so helpful. So that's something I can recommend. But yeah, I'm sure there's um, other options. So you guys that are listening out there, if you have any solutions or suggestions too, um, go ahead and, you know, you know, send over to Dylan, or you can always email me at hollywego at gmail.com. And I will definitely get it over to Dylan.
1: That'd be great. Thank you guys.
0: Awesome. So any more questions? Are you
1: No, you you've you've told me a lot and I have a lot to think about and definitely need to get writing a plan and making sure I have my tasks delegated and yeah. that's something that you know I haven't been fully clear with yet, but I'm <laughs> gonna get on it and hopefully it's gonna be really helpful for the organization.
0: Yeah. And I'd love to see, like, um, go ahead. And, you know, if you guys aren't in the Facebook yet, uh, the Facebook group, Fund My Nonprofit, definitely get on board and you can follow Dylan there too. Dylan's active over there. And um, yeah, please share there what you guys have been doing as well to kind of connect people and just to keep us updated because I think awesome what you're doing. I'm definitely going to follow you guys on social and see how I can contribute as well. Like I said, I would love to name something after my daughter and give you that that would be really cool. You know, so I think that's, that's amazing that you, what you guys are doing. And I just want to commend you again for being an individual who's just volunteering. I mean, you know, you had a stipend, you had a grant, but really 5,000, that's not a lot. It's not, you know what I mean? Like as a graduate and going back in the States, like I really, you know, I think that you're very just humble and it's just, it's inspiring to uh, talk to you. So I just want to thank you for your
1: time. Well, thank you, Holly, for talking with me and giving us a little bit more visibility. And I look forward to continuing talking with you about each of our projects going through the next months.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. So once again, you can find Dylan tell them again where you can
1: find you or where they can find nsm nsmusa.gvng.org that's nsmusa.gvng.org and you can contact us there and donate or volunteer um we'd love to have uh, your support so thank you guys awesome all
0: right
1: thank you so much dylan bye holly
0: Thank you for listening to today's show. As always, please feel free to send me an email if you have any grant writing or funding questions to hollywego at gmail.com. If you enjoy listening to the Grant Writing and Funding Podcast, then I would love to ask you a favor. Please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening and go get funded.